At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The following podcast is a production of the Factual Data Creations Facility. All opinions expressed are those of the host. Welcome to the OFNT Podcast, episode 149, which I'm calling To the Future, Boldly. Seems that the medical elite are starting to admit that the COVID death count was overstated with CNN darling and COVID masking and lockdown hardliner, Dr. Wen, leading the way by calling for a recalculation. What's next? An investigation into the effects of the vaccines? Oh, wait. The World Economic Forum for Elites was in full swing over in Davos, Switzerland last week. The usual suspects are in attendance, mapping out how you and I should live and how they can profit from it. Microsoft is joining its fellow tech brethren by cutting 10,000 jobs. I feel sorry for those losing their jobs, but a lot of them help to engineer the mess we're in these days. And I hope that many of the laid-off employees are H-1B visa holders, but probably not. They'll replace the U.S. citizens with these so-called temporary foreign workers. And not to be outdone by its rivals, Google has announced they are laying off 12,000 employees. Uh, take that, Microsoft. Tech news. According to reports from the Wall Street Journal, Tech Radar, and other sources, YouTube is currently testing out a channel hub which consists of various entertainment options, a la Pluto TV. I believe this is the future of television as over-the-air stations, which depend on the viewer having some sort of antenna, are seeing that segment of their audience shrink. If you already have an internet connection of any kind, why bother to mount an antenna or even buy one when you can just stream content? Like Pluto Television and other similar services, the YouTube channel hub will be ad-supported. I have YouTube Premium, so I wonder if I'll still have to sit through ads to use this hub. Younger people don't know how good they have it. I remember when I was just starting out, I was living in upstate New York at the time and couldn't afford this newfangled thing called cable TV, so I bought an old rabbit ear style antenna set. Where I was living, it only had about three commercial stations and a PBS channel. With the rabbit ears, I can get one commercial channel and, and the PBS station. The commercial channel was not very clear and would fade in and out. Thank goodness I was into music and shortwave radio listening back then. Eventually, VCRs became affordable and this enabled me to rent movies. Nowadays, someone just starting out only needs a decent internet connection and they have a bunch of free streaming services to choose from. Pluto and Stir for channel-style television viewing, and Crackle, Tubi, and Freebie for movies are my personal favorites. The only thing these services don't carry are all the local channels. In my experience, most of these locals aren't really worth having. I guess if you must have local channels, you can get an antenna. 
Apple introduced two new MacBook Pro models and an updated Mac Mini on Tuesday via one of their slickly produced videos. It was just like the company's virtual events, except shorter and without the bigwigs like Tim Cook. China. I predicted this way was the way that Apple would do things in the future when I witnessed the first virtual Apple event way back during the pandemic China. days. It's cheaper and easier to do it this way rather than having a live event. Consumers such as myself enjoy these virtual events better because they get straight to the point. The big upgrades to all three models are the availability of the new M2 Pro and M2 Max chips, which are supposed to be some 20% faster than an M1 chip at graphics-intense tests anyway, and they got Wi-Fi 6E capability. The MacBooks come in 14- and 16-inch screen sizes and are the same design as the 2021 models. Both models do not have the touch bar, leaving only the 13-inch Pro, the only model left, that is still equipped with it. I guess I'm one of the very, very few who actually enjoyed using the touch bar, and I'll miss it when I eventually have to upgrade. With my new retirement and lifestyle, I'll probably be going for the MacBook Air next time. With no touch bar, there is no reason to go for the Pro. I'll instead concentrate my money on a desktop solution, which brings us to the new Mac Mini. The new model of the Mac Mini, like the MacBook Pros, looks exactly like the old model, but features the M2 chip and a new lower starting price point of $599. That's down 100 bucks. As I've said before, instead of dropping almost $2,000 on a new 24-inch screened iMac, I'll spend about $700 for a Mac Mini and about $350 for a 32-inch 4K monitor. I'd use the keyboard and mouse for my old iMac and the Logitech webcam my son gave me last year for Christmas. I'll have a much more versatile and powerful computer for almost half the price. Though the screen will be larger, it won't be 5K in resolution, but I doubt my tired old fart eyes will even notice a difference. The Logitech webcam is better than what Apple includes, but it won't have that center stage feature which follows you around to keep you centered. Not a deal breaker for me. Well, unless you just have to have an all-in-one computer, I think the Mac Mini is the way to go these days. I'm not sure what's coming next from Apple, but I hear rumors of a $99 set of AirPods and a Mac Pro in the pipeline. Of course, the augmented reality glasses are supposedly still out there. When and if they are ever released, I'm sure they'll have their own event. What's coming next from Apple? Well, I'll tell you. On Wednesday of last week, Apple dropped a short video announcement for an all-new full-size HomePod. Yay! This caught everyone by surprise. There were no rumors or evidence that a new HomePod model was even coming. The new model will come in the same two colors as the original came in, which are black and white. The LED screen on top of the speaker is larger, taking up the same amount of space as the HomePod's mini screen does now. There are two less tweeters and microphones inside the units, but Apple is claiming that the audio is better somehow. The price of this new HomePod? 300 of your hard-earned dollars. That alone makes this product a non-starter in my household. I just don't understand the logic of this HomePod. The original HomePod came in the same size colors and originally cost $350. The price was reduced to $300 shortly after, but they still didn't sell. Only after they were discontinued and severely discounted did they start selling. I was expecting a HomePod MIDI, that being a HomePod larger than the MIDI but smaller than the regular-sized HomePod, for a price point of about $200.
Instead of paying $600 for a pair of these new HomePods to use at my entertainment system, I'll buy a Sonus soundbar when they, they go on sale and pair it with my IKEA Sonus satellite speakers. I'll move my HomePod minis to my desktop computer. It also should be noted that some internet sleuths have figured out by the URLs of the web links for this and the new Macs that these products were originally due for a release last year. I guess the draconian COVID China. lockdowns over in the so-called factory of the world probably had something to do with this delay. Artificial intelligence has been making some leaps and bounds lately with ChatGBT taking the techno-nerd world by storm. Well, it seems AI has been quietly making headway in the tech press industry. CNET has been publishing articles completely written by artificial intelligence for a while now. The articles are usually about tech finance, but the big knock against CNET is that the company didn't give a heads-up to readers, telling them that the article had no human author. This makes me wonder how many of these AI-written articles are floating around all media without a warning to the readers. Great and scary times we're living in. Another interesting product that I failed to mention last week from the now-over-consumer electronics show, better known as CES, was the new mobile chips coming from Qualcomm this year. They will incorporate satellite technology in them so phones or anything really equipped with them can communicate, at least by text message, no matter where you are located, even if no cell service is available. Apple announced a similar thing for the iPhone 14 Pro, but in Apple's case, it's only for emergencies. Qualcomm is pitching their version as an anytime service. Like Apple, though, this will be a paid service, probably a subscription-type deal. Tech I'm using. It's been a couple of weeks now since I've been using Apple Pages for my word processing needs. If they're getting familiar with the app, I'm liking it, especially for the price. Though I still could have used Microsoft 365, whose subscription didn't expire until the 17th of this month, but I thought I'd jump right into Pages anyway. As someone who was a user of Word since the dawn of time, it wasn't really difficult moving over to Pages. I just had to familiarize myself with the somewhat arcane way Apple does things, like having to bring up a side panel to make changes like text size and line spacing, for example. I was used to the dreaded Microsoft ribbon at the top of Word. If an old fart like me can figure things out, you youngsters can probably do it blindfolded. The only problem I've encountered has nothing to do with pages. It has to do with iCloud, or more specifically, iCloud on Mac OS. At first, I thought that pages didn't have an autosave feature like Word has. You can easily toggle the autosave feature on and off using the top menu on Word. I looked for a similar toggle on pages for various menus, but couldn't find one. After going to Apple's Pages support page, I found out that Pages auto-saves everything automatically. Cool. Now with Word and OneDrive, I'd bang out a rant at work using my government-issued Dell PC, remember something to add during my drive home, fire up my iPad once there, open Word, and voila, my rant was there. I'd make some changes and close Word out, but then remember something else to add right before going to bed. I'd simply pick up my phone, open Word, and again, my edited rant was there. I'd edit and add stuff using my phone, and when I opened up the document on a PC at work the following day, my edits were all there. Not so on pages. For some reason, I had to make a template so I could start a new script on mobile devices. If I used a non-template to start a script and didn't use the duplicate function before starting, even if I renamed the document, 
A copy of the original wasn't saved, thus losing it. Using Word, you would rename the document and it would maintain the original. Now, I already described the workflow using Word with multiple devices and operating systems. With Pages, iCloud doesn't seem to update as quickly as Microsoft's OneDrive does. So let's say I'm banging out a script on my MacBook Pro at my kitchen table. I finish and then close the lid on my computer. Later on, I'm in my living room and decide to edit something on that document. So I pick up my iPad and fire up Pages and the document is either not there or it's an older version of that document. If I start the document on my iPhone or iPad, I don't have this problem. Only when going from any Mac to another Mac or an iOS device. To get around this, I save the document on my Mac OS device when finished. Not a big deal, but when I do forget, it can be disastrous. I'm not sure if this is a Mac OS problem or an iCloud problem. You can also start and edit a Pages document using any device that can run a web browser using the iCloud.com website, but of course, you'll need an iCloud account. I would have used this method while at work, but iCloud.com was blocked by my IT department. Thankfully, the browser version of Word, along with my personal OneDrive account, wasn't. Overall, though, if you're in the Apple ecosystem, Pages will serve you well, and it's free. Along with switching to Pages, I've also switched keyboards on my iPhone. I've never really cared for the Apple stock iOS keyboard, but always went back to it because of the integration with apps, third-party or native. I tried the Grammarly keyboard, but the keys are just too small for these old fart fingers, even when adjusted to the largest size. I've been using SwiftKey, which I've had experience with on Android and iOS in the past. I must say, my typing experience has been much better using SwiftKey than the native iOS keyboard. And like Pages, SwiftKey is free to use. The keys seem bigger and easier to hit on SwiftKey compared to stock iOS, and the autocorrect is much better. The only complaint I have, and it's not much of one, is that the color doesn't quite match the native keyboards. The white and dark colors are just a little off. Does it matter? No! Does it still bother me? You bet it does. Ah! If like me and the iOS native keyboard just isn't working good for you, definitely consider SwiftKey. It's free and doesn't have ads. Oh, you can customize it too. Now that I no longer have a gym membership, I'm back in the saddle on my sole indoor cycle and using the Peloton app once again. I decided to take one of Peloton's great live classes last week. If you don't have a Peloton branded cycle, you can take live classes, but you will not be on the leaderboard or will it let you display or track your cadence using a third party solution? Not a big deal in my world. You can display and track your heart rate using a third party solution, though. I've been using my Apple Watch, but you can use just about any other heart rate monitor. This info, of course, will be used to tabulate the calories burned and how hard you worked out for a so called Strive score. All went well until the ride was completed. The workout was duly recorded in the Peloton app and transferred to Apple Health, but minus the calories burned. Instead, the workout recorded the calories calculated from the Apple Watch, which didn't know I was working out, thus underestimating what calories I actually burned. I had done a live workout in December, and the calories were tracked by the Peloton app itself. Now, the on-demand rides still count calories from the Peloton app, so that's fine. 
I wondered if it was a bug or being that the last live ride I took was in December, perhaps the company has deleted this feature for live rides just as they've deleted the ability to track your cadence. To find out for sure, I took another live ride. That ride proved that the Peloton app is no longer calculating calories for live rides. The app still tracks your heart rate, but just calculates the average. I gather that the company wants you to be using Peloton's own and expensive equipment to get full stats. For users of the cheaper digital app who use their own non-Peloton equipment, you'll be relegated to using the pre-recorded classes for accurate tracking of your workout, I guess. This is kind of a dirty move as digital app-only users are paying a monthly subscription. Sure, it's not as much as owners of Peloton gear pay, but digital apps users don't get the leaderboard or cadence tracking and now apparently calorie tracking during live classes. I guess we can expect the company to pull heart rate display and tracking next. I remember reading somewhere that the CEO of Peloton wanted to create different tiers for the digital app. One would be an ad-supported free tier and the other a paid tier. From this feature deletion, I predict the digital app in the future will have many tiers, an ad-supported one that will not include live classes and not track any metrics. The first paid tier will be what current digital app users get now, but with no metric tracking on live rides. The third tier will cost what Peloton equipment users pay, and you get to display heart rate, cadence, etc., and calories will be calculated by the app like it used to be during live rides on the standard digital app. I plan on getting a Peloton bike next October, but if the company keeps cutting features, what would stop them from forcing you to upgrade your equipment by taking away features? I just might have to rethink this. Entertainment news. With our streaming service selection now sparse due to my retirement trimming, my lovely wife and I have started watching The Godfather of Harlem on Epix, now renamed MGM+. I had epics when it first came out back in what has been referred to by urbanites as the day. It was cheaper than most services back then as it is now. You get what you pay for though as the movies carried on the service are available on Paramount Plus except with no ads in the beginning. Right now I'm getting epics for $1 a month for three months. As soon as March rolls around I'll be dropping it. In the past I used to watch a few different series on epics. Berlin Station, Condor, and Get Shorty were my favorites. Of course, they have all since been canceled, every one of them. Godfather of Harlem was new as I was dumping epics before and only had watched the first episode. We enjoy it, and the show isn't as preachy as it could be. I like how they've recreated things from the 1960s and 70s Manhattan. As you know, being an old fart born and basically raised on Manhattan Island, I lived through this time period. They have the street lights, cars, and heck, even the garbage cans correctly done as I remember them. We've just started season two. I hope it's as good as season one. Well, I see that Netflix is rebooting that 70s show as that 90s show. I watched the trailer and here are my impressions. The only original cast members are the actors that play the parents in the original. My children enjoyed that show, while I never bothered with it. The new version has a diverse cast where every race and I'm sure sexual preference will be represented. Though they probably weren't in the time and place where this show supposedly takes place. That doesn't matter. The now grandparents are definitely showing their age and their acting, especially the grandfathers, is terrible. 
I don't know if it was as bad in the original because I never watched it and I don't ever intend to do so. I'm predicting a flop here. Well, it's time for a break. You might or you might not hear an ad. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., at Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Podcast news. A while back, I told you I'd stop listening to the Michael Savage podcast. The reason I gave was because the old podcast was based on Mr. Savage's live radio show where he had writers, fact checkers, producer, etc. backing him up. He's since left his radio gig and now just has a podcast. Well, the first few months of his new podcast, Sans Radio Team, were, let's just say, crap with Mr. Savage just talking around old snippets of his radio show and the audio, while still quite good, not up to the old radio-produced standard. I decided to give the Savage podcast another go recently, and I'm happy to report that the show is much better now. Mr. Savage has guests on, and the topics are more current. He seems to have hired a staff, and the audio has improved, though it's still not as good as the radio audio, but I'm sure he doesn't have the equipment required to get it to that level. I don't think the Savage Podcast sends its audio to be processed by a studio. I think it's processed in-house. The only annoying thing about the hour-long episodes are the ads. Pre-show, there are usually three ads. The show's intro is next, and then Mr. Savage takes about five minutes or so telling you about the advantages of joining his subscription service. The show starts and goes well until it's time for an ad read from the host. We return to the show only to be interrupted by a couple of mid-show insert ads. After returning again to the show, we are subjected to yet another host red ad about three-quarters of the way in. When the show winds down, yet more ads are inserted. So, out of an hour-long show, the audience gets about 30 minutes of listenable audio. I know the man needs to make money, but that's just too many ads in my opinion. If this show, the OFNT Podcast, ever gets to that point, please let me know. Well, I don't think you'll ever have to worry about that with my audience numbers. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking about audience numbers for the OFNT podcast, mine have started to decline again, as I predicted, after a burst of new listeners when I switched hosting services from Captivate to Red Circle. 
I have no complaint against my new hosting service, but the analytics could be better. But then again, I'm paying about half the price I was paying for Captivate. It's time for my rant. If you've been paying attention to the news and just not the garbage they want you to know, you'd notice that when it comes to housing, the big boys are buying into rental properties. Heck, BlackRock, a New York-based, and remember that location, investment firm, which is one of the, if not the largest investment and asset management firm in the world, has been buying up private residences in order to turn them into rental properties. I noticed back in 1997 when I moved to this suburb of New York City that there were always advocates writing letters in the local newspapers about how we were losing our youth in our areas because of the lack of, quote, affordable housing, unquote. Every issue of those local papers had at least one supposed concerned resident having their heartfelt letter posted. I didn't realize then, but I do now, that this was probably all part of a campaign, a campaign that's just now coming to fruition. The object was to get the suburbs to rezone to pave the way for the construction of rental properties, thus ruining the suburban lifestyle people like myself craved and endured high taxes for. These letters from concerned residents were probably just written by ad agencies and placed in the local publications. I'd wager that if you went back and got copies of all those local rags throughout the burb I live in, you'd find the same exact letters in all of them. Last week, the leftist governor of the state of New York announced her plan for 800,000 units of, quote, affordable housing units, unquote, per year for the state. Each targeted community will be required to increase the amount of affordable housing by 3% per year or be penalized. This all smells like a maneuver by the elites to make some money and carry out the agenda the World Economic Forum boldly laid out in that infamous You'll Own Nothing and Be Happy video. Over my years of living here, I've seen one apartment complex after another go up with the mantra of revitalizing the downtown area being given as an excuse to change the zoning laws to allow this. The developers are given huge tax breaks to lure them to these areas, and here is where the problems begin. The schools and police, as well as basic services, are maintained by the tax base. Because of the tax breaks given the developers, the base cannot keep up to the influx of new families who move into these apartment complexes. The roads aren't upgraded and become congested. Trash collection is cut back because of the increase of refuse, while the capacity of the sanitation department has not increased. These, amongst other things, cause the local and state governments to, of course, raise taxes on the private homeowners. As an example, my house mortgage has increased almost 200% since I first moved here, and that's all due to tax increases. And I get a tax break because I'm a combat veteran. What is the end game here? In my opinion, I think the elites want us serfs to all live in an urbanized area. Why? Well, all you have to do is look towards the elite's idol, the Communist Party of China. Remember how easy it is to lock down millions of people in China's megacities. As the COVID pandemic showed, it's not so easy to do so in other countries, especially the U.S. And what about wanting to outlaw gas-powered automobiles? You know, the mining for rare earth used to construct the batteries for this electric future causes enough pollution that it offsets anything gained by banning gas-powered vehicles. And here lies the truth. You peasants will not be allowed to own a car if the elites get their way in the future. You'll be relegated to using an expensive car service like Uber or use overcrowded public transportation. 
It's a lot easier to control a populace if you can take away their mobility. For those that will be allowed to own an electric car, these vehicles will come with a kill switch, which enables the government to simply push a button or click a mouse to disable your personal transportation. In fact, our current puppet-in-chief has just signed a law making that kill switch mandatory. All this is not for what the elites say it's for, you know, affordable housing, climate change, equity, and all the other garbage they're feeding you. It's all about the power to control, and most importantly, it's all about money. Well, that music's playing, which means it's time to wrap things up. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed making it for you. If you liked what you heard, you can make a donation using the link in the show notes. Any and all donations will be appreciated. You can always reach me at OFNTPodcast at gmail.com if you're so inclined. I'd enjoy hearing from you. Remember, don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. So do me a favor. Make a donation to the show and then get off my lawn. Stay skeptical. I'm out. See ya. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com podcast. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said. Done.